Hey gang! Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts is funded by Patreon. Join for early access to special bonus episodes and exclusive material, including the upcoming Scooby-Doo Book Club. Joining is the best way that you can be a part of shaping the material we produce, and we are super thankful to everyone who contributes. Thank you to David Green, Kyle Michaud, Katie Maxwell, Jordan Ferguson, Pablo Corden, Matthew Bang, Blake Sawyer, Ashley Martinez, Dan Reed, Gabriel Pesek, Toj, Jade Core, Wynn Richport, Samuel Chesser, Bradford N. Smith, Page on Gaming, and Alicia Harper for funding this episode. Welcome to Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. The original podcast that painstakingly goes through all Scooby-Doo media in search of those to Scooby-Doo absolutely or Scooby-Don't under any circumstance. I'm your host, Billy. And I'm your host, Amelia. And we're watching Gremlin on a Plane. We take to the skies, Amelia. The big metal bird that will take us to the new world. I did, no, they, had, they, had air, they had airplanes. America was well established. Yeah, back, back to the old world. <laughs> to kick some ass. I don't know what I'm doing. Barely not. It's a, I'm trying to do a plane bit, Amelia. Because this episode takes place on an airplane. Or aeroplane, as you may say. I would argue that, uh, I wouldn't say that. It does take place on a plane, yes. A really big, stupid plane. Which, honestly, takes a little bit of the plane factor out of it. And, like, I, I see what they're doing. They're making it like a, like a cruise ship. Yes. Or a big spaceship. But here's the thing. There is a beauty to the constrained space of a plane. Uh, <laughs> the big thing when you do a plane episode is that you're just, like, stuck in that fuselage. You're doing essentially a bottle episode. This episode, this takes that constriction and negates it by making it a huge, endless void of a plane. Yes. Now, you're talking about it in terms of media, that here is what the plane is to represent in media. I'm just thinking of other plane episodes. Yeah, no, and things like Snakes on a Plane and the movie Red Eye and shit. Like, tension is built because you cannot leave this small space, and the bigger space gets, the less threatening it gets. With the obvious outlier to that being space. But... (laughs) (laughs) But that's a different kettle of fish. I wanted to make note that planes are utilitarian. They... You don't need frills on a plane. It's to get you from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to enjoy your time on a plane. It is the quintessential human. We designed this for this one purpose. Get the fuck over it. This is what it does. <laughs> I think what what the writers were thinking of in this episode was a Zeppelin. Because a Zeppelin is a place that you go to in the sky to lounge about. The, the Zeppelin is, that's the gentleman's way to travel. I mean, I guess there are private planes, and private planes sometimes have fancy things. It doesn't feel like a plane. And my problem was, I was looking forward to a good old-fashioned plane episode. Remember when Monk was on a plane? 
Ooh, he hated it. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about private jets, though, like, sure, you can put a little luxury into a private jet, but you, no one gets into a plane and thinks this is going to be an enjoyable experience. You've never been on a plane, okay? Ears popping That's is true. like the worst fucking thing in the world. I'm not going to get on a plane to have my ears pop and then lounge back in a chair while, like, a fireplace roars before me. Why wouldn't I just stay on the fucking ground to do yeah. that? A plane is somewhere you're just supposed to sit and lounge back for like half a second and then lurch forward and yell, Kevin! And realize that you left your child in Chicago. And now he has to fend himself off from two burglars, maybe. And just that creepy old man is going to save him. Is this what this whole episode is going to be? Me remembering different <laughs> plane-based media? <laughs> Terrible references. Reference after reference. Like a Family Guy episode. How appropriate. Be cool. I know, I'm really one to talk. I do enough tangents on my own. No, I, I'll try to focus. I'll give you a premise, right here and now. A gremlin sneaks aboard the maiden voyage of Air Gigantica. The gang have been invited for a ride on it, but with a panicking pilot, Daphne reveals she has a great knowledge about the plane and how to fly it. Gremlin on a plane. Gremlin on a plane. Gremlin on a plane. A gremlin... For those that don't know, is the term that people have been using on aircraft since their creation to describe problems on the aircraft. Yeah, like, oh, you got a little gremlin in there. It's it's a way to explain, oh, I don't know what the problem is. Yeah. It's a little, it's, a, it's, it's mechanic lore, and that's that's interesting because it is literally a, uh, a cryptid that was invented in the 20th century. And those ones are always, like the, like, American cryptids? Those are kind of cool. The Mothman? I think all cryptids were invented in the 20th century now that we're thinking about it. Um, <laughs> Except for that weird whole well, here's the thing. We well, here's saw. the problem. Earlier cryptids were just like, oh, that was a brachiosaur. <laughs> we're like, oh, you, no that, one saw the bone that of thing, a brachiosaurus. You're thinking of a gorilla. <laughs> we, ha we just call that a gorilla now. Now we know the animals. No, now we still call it a fucking Bigfoot. Because people want to try and think that Bigfoot still exists. Yeah. I don't know why. What are you going to exploit Bigfoot for? T-shirts. <laughs> you can do that now. <laughs> oh, you're, you're saying what are we going to do once we get Bigfoot? Yeah, we get Bigfoot. What the fuck are we supposed to do with him? He could help us break in those new shoes. <laughs> so could a thicker pair of socks. No. At least the Mothman can predict bridge collapses. <laughs> the sport of soccer would be <laughs> changed forever. Okay, so this giant stupid fucking plane that they're on, this cruise ship that can fly. I can would go I be say, on cruise ship. It's like a mall. Can I say once again, so wait, so you think you have to get on this plane and then pay extra for food? Because when you get on a cruise ship, if you go to the concession stand and ask for a burger, you don't pay for it. It's included. As I said it, you I also realized that cruise ships are quite big. I've never been on a cruise ship either. I have. They're big, eh? Yeah. I was on a fairly small one. I was on the original Disney cruise, and that's quite a small ship compared to some of the huge ones. What have I done in my life? Absolutely nothing. You've been to Quebec. Good job. There's your travel experience. You spoke so much French there. <laughs> okay, so this fucking cruise ship that can just coincidentally fly. I cannot help but point out that this is a joke that has been done elsewhere and done better. 
Futurama has done this. Remember the land bus? That was fantastic. (laughs) The The land land Titanic was fantastic. The land bus was fucking ridiculous because they just made a bigger, 100,000% slower moving bus. And it would need to be on roads, (laughs) which are already very, very tall. So I feel like they were trying to go for the same thing here with this airplane being like, well... I mean, what's the most ridiculous thing we can put in the air? A cruise ship. But it doesn't... Once again, it's absurd, but it has not gone absurd enough. So all I see are its faults. And and my problem is that it just... It it wastes an opportunity. I don't think we've ever had an episode of the Scooby Gang on a plane. And the things that you do in those plane episodes are you constrict the physical space... And you make it more about the interplay between characters. And I, this, is just, this is just me jonesing for a good plane plot. This is you jonesing like, heck, heck, the whole, for character development. <laughs> the whole Twilight Zone gremlin episode, that, that's the thing of a guy sees a gremlin on a wing and no one believes him. Well, what if that was Fred? Or Shaggy. It would be Shaggy. Like, let's admit, it would be Shaggy who sees it. But If Fred was <laughs> the <laughs> William Shatner... <laughs> It would be great if, I'm thinking of John Lithgow, if Fred was the odd man out. Let's talk about him. Let's talk about Fred. Okay, sure. Because he is a controlling asshole. Yeah, he's uh, he's got another really awful episode here under his belt. Um, he freaks out when Daphne is revealed to be the one flying the plane. He's he's like that that episode of Arrested Development where Michael has to like take charge of literally everything and micromanage everything. And... It's just a terrible look for Fred Jones. It is. The fact that he's always in the driver's seat. We've not seen him micromanage up to this point in his tenure. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas with Michael Bluth, we expected that shit. Yeah, Michael, you roll your eyes at. But Fred, I expect more from. He freaks out when he finds out that Daphne is the one flying the plane. Fred Jones is a lot of things, but he is not... A pilot? He is not this man who... Who doesn't believe in his friends. Yes, exactly. If in, let's say, the new Scooby-Doo movies, Daphne was like, yeah, sure, I can fly a plane. Fred would let her fly that fucking plane. He wouldn't put up a fight, throw a temper tantrum, be a sexist piece of cop-loving shit. Do you remember? They they went to space. And Daphne flew the spaceship. Did pretty good there. And, like, it's just his hubris. Like, and the thing is, like, Fred is not a pilot. He doesn't know how to fly a plane. And the fact is that Daphne is actually doing fine at it, and he wants to tear her out of that seat because he needs to be the one who does it. If anything, it should be Velma claiming she knows how to fly a plane because she read a book on it once. Mm-hmm. Why does even then, insist on assassinating my boy episode after episode? This is the thing. It's not... Like, people have a problem with Be Cool, and the problems that I heard about Be Cool beforehand are not the problems that I'm having. It's not the focus on comedy. It's the fact there are these negative relationships between all the characters. Like, you you look, this series has some similar creators to Phineas and Ferb, but you look at Phineas and Ferb, positive relationships all over. Yeah, I have never once seen a moment in Be Cool up to this point where I would believe that these people are naturally friends. Mm-hmm. 
They have ham-fisted so many no-we're-friends moments in, but it's so disingenuous. It's so thin and see-through. Fred Fred and Velma are a pair, but it it looks like at odds with the other group. And and not, not to harp on the art style, but in any other series, if I saw Fred put on a harness, I would get excited. (laughs) <laughs> Could you imagine Mr. Incorporated? Mm. Damn! But yeah, here, it's like, okay, yeah, safety. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want safety, we want sex! We want Fred's sexy <laughs> ripped abs in a harness, that's what we want. My one other note for Fred is that he does not wear socks with his loafers, and that is also unforgivable. God damn it. We see his pants ride up a little bit, and there is just bare ankle skin between the loafer and the jeans, and that is unacceptable. Oh, uh, I'm also going to note here, because I think this is a Fred note, they have the mystery machine on the plane. And we see it being loaded in at first, and I'm like, okay, yeah, they bring the mystery machine everywhere. The fact that the mystery machine is also a plane, it's not about it being a suspension of disbelief at this point, it's about it being a cop-out. What are the stakes if they could have hopped in the mystery machine and flown away at any point? It should have been Fred being like, well, the mystery machine's a plane. And then the guy that owns this giant plane being like, listen, this pla- this thing is huge, we- but we still got weight restrictions. We didn't bring your van. Yeah. Or like, you know, the pl- the mystery machine is a small lifeboat, but there's going to be, we do have to stop the, the plane does crash. And I, where does the plane crash? I don't know. Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> this is a big-ass plane. And there's no drama of, like, trying to land it safely. Nope. And, yeah, that's, that, that's a Fred note because Fred drives the mystery machine, as he makes abundantly clear. Daphne, on the, on the other hand, c- we continue a history of, of her driving when flying. Because, look, remember back 13 Ghosts? She drove that plane there. Yeah. Remember back in the space shuttle? She was able to fly that. Way, way back, an ex-girlfriend of hers was a, was a stunt flyer. Yes. So this is a consistency that we're continuing with. They make Daphne, quote-unquote, plane crazy in this episode. Where she just is enthusiastic. Like, someone says that she should drive. And she's like, no, 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 no. Planes are just a hobby. An interest. A passion. I bought it in this one. I bought that Daphne has a passion for flying. And we go leave her for the rest of the episode. Yeah. So she doesn't She doesn't get a big role, really. Um, I would even say within the role of her being a pilot, she doesn't have a big role. Because at one point she says that the fuel lines are damaged and they can only safely stay in the air for another 10 to 15 minutes. She doesn't try to land the plane in that time, nope. which would be my first instinct, land the fucking plane. She doesn't get to land the plane at all. If you're over water, the plane will float. Like, she says later that the landing gear is broken. Like, so what? There's seven people on board. Land the fucking plane. Statistically, everyone's gonna survive this. What happened to... Sully landed that plane in a river, I believe. Yes, planes they, float! They made a, <laughs> They made a Tom Hanks movie about him. If the plane is intact when it hits the water, it will float. Could Tom Hanks Things play are Daphne? Buoyant. This is a more important point. Could Tom Hanks no. play Daphne? No. White men get enough roles. Fair enough. 
Okay, the point is... He would be a good Fred, though. Daphne just needs to land the fucking plane, and they don't even let her do no. that. She dresses as a pilot off-screen. Fashion report. <laughs> mini, mini, mini fashion report. Daphne dresses as a pilot. Cosplay report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shaggy and Scooby shenanigans. Okay. So, they are on this plane, and obviously they're eating. Because yes. we've created this plane where there's, like, a huge food court with anything you could possibly want there. I think the best joke they could have made is that they don't want to eat the airplane food. Yeah. What's with airplane food? Jerry like, Seinfeld there you go. said it best. He didn't ever say it, but, I mean, public ever... consciousness. He didn't ever say it? He used to talk about shaving on a plane. Who shaves on a plane? That was the joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how observational. If there's a scientific reason for plain food being worse, is that the higher altitude you get, the less your taste buds work. Mm. So they should have had options to any food that they wanted and not liked any of it. And that would have been a better joke than them going to this food court and getting brain freeze on soft serve. Yeah, that, I like that joke. If you have to have a food court on the plane, which I don't want, then <laughs> that's something they could have been shoving all that soft serve ice cream down their mouths, but but just feeling empty inside. I will say, here is a point positive for Be Cool Scooby-Doo. Shaggy and Scooby do not get bloated when they eat. There was a run there where it was almost like a fetish. A little bit, yeah. Like, very seriously, every time they ate, mm, they... They bloated. Not necessarily every time they ate. They ate a lot of Mystery Incorporated, but I feel like the only time I could bring a huge bloating to mind was the gluten demon. Yeah. And that was obviously to get to the point of the plot where they had to sumo wrestle. <laughs> yeah. But no, here they eat a lot of soft serve, and the worst that happens is they get an ice cream headache. Which you would, because fuck those hurt. What is the year right now? Like 2015? 2015. I believe. And I had to hear Scooby-Doo say, Oh no. The struggle is real. How do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. And I watched the Murder on the Orient Express episode where Scooby was the only one that was allowed to talk. <laughs> yeah, you didn't say the struggle is real. <laughs> uh, we do get the scene that you would expect where Shaggy and Scooby yell about a gremlin on a wing. You know, it's a, ni it's a nice little nod. I think Fred is also out there at the time, so their reason is to warn Fred about it. So it's not, it's not a big deal. The Irma vision. She gets called Irma by Big Earl at one point. I, I made note of that. Mm -hmm. Her name is actually Velma, though. Okay, Velma why, did, Dinkley. why didn't you change it to the irma vision? Ooh, that would have been good. You didn't do any alliteration for that joke. Well, I f honestly, I felt if I went too far with it, you would, you, you know, it would be too far removed. Irma Ision would have been perfect, but I did not think that that. Anyways, uh, Velma, or Irma, if you will, does precious fucking little during this episode. Besides the wrap-up in which everyone is like, shut the fuck up! <laughs> yeah, because she is wrapping things up while they are trying to crash-land the mystery machine plane. Yeah, everyone... Fil filled with the villain, the suspects, the, the goats. Everyone wants her to shut the fuck up. Now y'all know how I feel all the time. 
glad to finally have some vindication on Velma Dinkley. Or Irma Inkley, if you will. Uh, she, she does hold Fred when he falls out of the plane at one point. He is dangling by his harness, and she just has, like, feet gripped in the doorway, two hands on the rope. It was still hooked into the plane, though, wasn't it? Like, it was hooked to something inside the plane, and she was yanking on it to try and pull him back? In my mind, the only thing that stood between Fred and death was Velma's upper body strength. Okay. Which we learned in the Green Ghost episode she doesn't possess in this <laughs> iteration. So I'm worried for Fred's could have died. safety. You know what? I'm not worried for Fred's safety. <laughs> not this Fred. Fuck you're, this Fred. I want him to them. go through one of the propellers like a bird. Just shoot out the back in a big explosion of blood and blonde hair. That got dark. With blood, I like. I get, I wanted to knock some sense into him, but that you you think going through this plane's turbine is just gonna knock a little sense into someone? I mean, it's cartoon logic, so you could you could skim it. What other minor mentions are in this episode? Big Earl. He's a Texan man. And he modified the original design to be bigger and better. Like in Texas. Yeah, he's the one that designed this big stupid air cruise. I didn't hear a pricing plan from Big Earl, but I can only assume that the 99% aren't getting on this fucking thing. No. Eat the rich, Big Earl's first. They they also, so he has a running gag where he messes up uh, people's names. That's where we get Irma from. Uh, he calls Ed Johnson, Ned Johnson. And a, a myriad of other names. There's also this running gag they have with his motto. Where he's like, you know my motto. There's probably no such thing as gremlins. That's just the style of humor of, I'm gonna say something completely on the nose. Mm-hmm. You know my motto, bigger's better. And you're just like, okay, well, that makes sense. And then he moves on to his motto, uh, why be on a plane when you can't pet a goat? That's my motto. Shut up. <laughs> oh my god. You don't have a motto. You are just word vomiting into my face to continue my tenuous torture that is my be cool residence. Uh, Ed Johnson is the mechanic who originally designed this plane. Why would a mechanic be designing anything? He, he... Look, I'm not shitting on the ability to fix an no, engine, you're... but you cannot build a plane. That is an engineer's job. It's true. I've seen the wind rises. He, he was an engineer. A war criminal. <laughs> you can't be one or the other. You have to be both. If you're a war criminal, you're an engineer. If you're an engineer, you're a war criminal. I think you could probably be a war criminal without being an engineer. Let's not put a hard cap on I who can and can't be a war criminal. A joke. Obviously. <laughs> I, just, I don't want to forg accidentally forgive people for war crimes. On our Scooby-Doo podcast. It was obviously a satirical joke. You and everyone else that doesn't understand satire and always calls me out for it. Captain Anderson is a pilot who's afraid of heights. Huh? Huh? That's funny. There's also a blue whale. I think it was a blue whale. Not a hundred, I didn't completely identify it, but there is a whale on this plane, uh, and it escapes to safety. Somehow, it steals all the parachutes and parachutes down to the ground. Enjoyed that as a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy reference. 
Don't understand how a whale would have stolen parachutes. Why were there ten parachutes for a plane that's going to carry something like 100,000 people at a time? Another good question. There should probably be a parachute per person. There should probably be no parachutes for anyone because you're going to get just like a fucking regular person to properly put on a parachute and deploy it? No, people are going to jump out of a plane, launch it immediately, get stuck in the turbines... And the plane's going to crash faster. So you would have no parachutes. Yeah. Regular planes have no parachutes. Do regular planes have no parachutes? No. Because the pilot in the first sign of distress is going to land the fucking plane. What if if he can? Oh, my God. Then the co-pilot will. Of which this plane doesn't have. It doesn't. God damn it. A plane of this size should have a co-pilot. It should have a whole crew. Yes. Please don't send out these planes without their crews. A gang of mystery-solving kids is not enough. (laughs) The villain, oft spoken of, the gremlin. As he appears, he is bat-like, or one may say gremlin-like. No, there's nothing (laughs) gremlin about him. It's a bat in a sort of costume like... If a B-movie was making a bat creature, but then forgot what a fucking bat looks like. That's what this gremlin looks like. It's a bat sans the bat. So it's worthless. He's also completely man-sized, which I feel undermines the gremlin quality. Yeah. Gremlins should be a little small. Monsters should be different proportions so that we don't immediately assume that it's a man in a mask. Yeah. Should have been a child. The child who has been neglected. I know that, like, in the What's New era, like, everything was a robot. It started to get a little ridiculous Mm -hmm. how many stupid fucking robots they were running into and shit. But it can't always just be a man shape and have me think for one second it's not just going to be a man. Yeah, no, I get that. I I completely agree. It was too big for a gremlin. Uh, This gremlin starts out by turning the machines against the passengers and then all out sabotages the plane. Stops it from being able to fly. Who is this gremlin? It is the mechanic. Ed. And what was his criminal plan? Pissed off that his design got changed. So, spite, I guess. Murder. Because he was going to murder everyone on board. If I was Ed, I would, you know, I would take the hit of not having my, my pride out here that my design got changed. But guess what? You still designed a fairly iconic and successful plane. You can probably parlay that success into designing a new plane. Like, that's how careers work. You don't get a win every day. Sometimes you you gotta compromise and then get stepped up the ladder a little bit. I think a better twist would have been as he wasn't a villain at all. If Big Ed had just changed this plane so much that there was no chance it was ever going to fly, and oh the gremlin was on there fixing it. There's a better oh fucking my. story for you, Be Cool. I fucking love that, because now the gang are trying to stop the gremlin, but that is actually undermining themselves. Yeah. Oh, I like that twist. Don't like what I saw here. Terror scale. I, I want to go low, because it... Just on this conversation. <laughs> There's literally nothing gremlin about it. Uh, I'm also of the ilk that 
believes that gremlins need to have a costume of some sort. They need to have a little pilot's cap. They need to have a little tool belt. There should be something human about them. Like, they have adopted something human, but they themselves are not human. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I mean, I see it. I don't necessarily agree with you, because I'm trying to think of effective gremlins that I know in my own, not life, but, like, media that I've consumed. Yeah, the little shitheads from Looney Tunes. He had a little pilot's cap. The ones in the real Ghostbusters have little tool belts. Yeah, but I'm thinking at, like, The Simpsons, Trios of Horror. When that one gremlin is destroying the school bus, he didn't have anything human about him. No, he was just a little monster. Yeah, he was small, though. Yeah. Small is important to me. So let's go low here. I'm going to give this gremlin a two. Zero. Yeah, and I don't know if this I'm, is... I'm, I wouldn't be scared of this thing. I don't know. Well, it's. T- I feel like I might be betraying it a bit because it's not necessarily terror scale. It's how effective a villain it was. But you know what? That's That's what we're doing today. Today, this is this is where he lands. I don't think Terror Scale has ever been about effectiveness as a villain. It's been about, does this thing look scary? In that case, I might have to go higher because it is furry and has teeth. So and what? I'm, so I'm... does a cat. <sighs> and you're trying to pick up our cat and kiss him all the time. That doesn't seem mm, like you're frightened of him. True enough. Like, he could kill me in a heartbeat, but I do still want to kiss his face. That's a good point. Bears are also furry and have teeth, but if I ever came face to face with a bear, you better believe I'm going up to it to touch its little soft ears. Yeah. And if you saw it sabotaging the ice cream machine, you'd just be like, oh, look, he's, he's a little mechanic. No, I would be like, oh, look, he smells ice cream. And wants to <laughs> yeah, it that's, he's a bear. That's probably it. <laughs> that's, cl- that's closer to the truth. See, that's why gremlins have to be human in some way. They need to have adopted something human without looking like To a show human. that they kind of understand what they're doing. Why else would they be sabotaging planes? Right, like they're not, they're not just, you know, behaving as an animal would. They're being a little shit. Yeah. Okay, there has to be malice behind a gremlin. That makes sense. Do you have any other thoughts or feelings on this episode? A bowling alley in a plane is the worst idea. Turbulence and those ten-pound bowling balls are going to start going everywhere. Even wonderful idea, very intelligent. The pin reloading mechanism. I'm sure a lot of that runs on gravity. Hydraulics, really. Well, I'm. You don't lose gravity in a plane. No, but as soon (laughs) no, but you may (laughs) you make turns. You go. You get. You get. Why was gravity your first thing? Because that's also turbulence. You tilt. You tilt, and now the gravity's going a different way. I'm not saying this is like the plane's gonna go upside down and they're gonna do the zero-G thing. Is that- I don't know how they do the zero-G thing. Do they go upside down? They just free-fall. Just free-fall? Okay. I think so, yeah. (laughs) Don't let this plane free-fall, it's very big. It's full of bowling balls! (laughs) This one, this one. It's a Scooby-Don't. Yeah, every fucking episode in this series is a Scooby-Don't. This one feels- like, I, I, I want to be as objective as possible, but they just keep annoying me so bad. They're absurd, but not absurd enough. They're not entertaining. This is fucking boring as shit, man. I, I, and I had, I, th- I think we discussing it came up with points that would be a very satisfying thriller based on the premise of Mystery Incorporated are on a plane with a gremlin. And... There's a lot of expectation with that that it did not deliver on. So let's hope for a brighter future. Our next episode is Sorcerer Snacks Scare. Sorcerers are cool. They're not like wizards. 
They're not like warlocks. They get a d6 for their hit points. <laughs> fucking nerd. <laughs> I'm a fucking nerd. I don't think it's that kind of sorcerer. From the the quick image here, it looks like it's almost going to be more of a, like, sorcerer's apprentice type sorcerer. So, we're going to get some pointy hats in the mix. You know what they say, where there are pointy hats, there's a party. So, listeners, if you want to party with us, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at the Billy Seaguire. Amelia is at Fatal Amelia. And we can be found collectively at Scooby underscore Dews. If you would like to listen to our old episodes, they're all available on our YouTube, Tumblr, or WordPress, along with, I think, every other collection of podcast websites. I've never looked into where we are. Or, <laughs> we're we're out know, there. Just Google our damn name. Yeah. You'll find us. I'm generally, I, I leave the house every day with a little wagon going, podcasts, podcasts, and offering little podcasts in jars to passers-by. As I've gone quite mad in quarantine, and believe that to be the best method of distribution. And on that note... That's it from Scooby-Dooby-Us to Scooby-Dooby-You. And for God's sakes, if you are planning on going on a, on a plane currently, just don't. Don't. You're going to see us out on the wing, staring at you judgmentally.